Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God to which I invite your attention this morning is written in Paul's first letter to Timothy, reading there in the fourth chapter, beginning at the sixth verse. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house, and you also Christian friends who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. It was on November the 14th, 1937, 28 years ago today and on my birthday, that I delivered my introductory sermon as the new minister of this Emmanuel congregation. I followed in the footsteps of the Reverend James W. Schellinger, who had completed a ministry of 28 years here in order to go on and to become president of our Ohio district of the American Lutheran Church. In the 91 years' history of Emmanuel Congregation, there have been only five ministers. The first was the Reverend Martin C. Hecht. Then the next was the Reverend Alexander Nicholas. Then came the Reverend William Stellhorn. Then came the Reverend James Schillinger. And then I came to follow him. In the last 56 years of the history of this congregation, which is 91 years old, you have had only two pastors, Reverend Schellinger with a ministry of 28 years, and today the anniversary of my 28-year ministry as your pastor. It is a joy to have Dr. Schellinger here with us this morning, the only living former pastor of our church, he is now 84 years old. He was able to come. We are only sorry that health prevents him from taking part in this worship service this morning. But on this anniversary occasion, I am reminded of the words that a minister by the name of Paul spoke to another minister by the name of Timothy. It so happened that the Apostle Paul, on his first missionary journey, he came to Lystra in Asia Minor, and he met a young man by the name of Timothy. And because this man was called by Paul later his son in the faith, 
it is very well that we can draw the conclusion that from the instrumentality of Paul, Timothy became a child of God. And then when Paul was on his second missionary journey, he went again to Lystra and he picked up the young Timothy who became a co-worker with Paul and remained faithful to Paul to the very day of Paul's death. And in this text that I have read for you this morning, we find the Apostle Paul, this older minister who had just been released from prison in Rome, awaiting another imprisonment, writing to the young minister Timothy, who at the time was the pastor of the Christian church in Ephesus and Asia Minor, which the minister Paul had established during his three-year work in that city. And we find the minister Paul writing to the minister Timothy these words. He says, Timothy, be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Timothy, be a minister acceptable to Jesus Christ. Be a minister pleasing to him. Timothy, be a minister after Jesus' own heart. Be a minister so that you will be a constant joy and a constant source of rejoicing to your Lord and to your Savior. And on this occasion, I am sure that Paul, speaking through the Word of God, speaks also to all of us who are ministers, pleading and calling to us, be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Be an accepted minister. Be a minister, again, after Jesus' own heart. And I'm sure that when we as ministers hear that call from Paul that we are to be good ministers of Jesus Christ, ministers after his own heart, that somehow or other we say, that's wonderful to be so pled with, but isn't it something that is impossible? And sometimes we ministers say, you just can't be a good minister of Jesus Christ. You just can't be one after his own heart. And we get discouraged and we get the blues and we get downcast and we get despondent. And sometimes we want to quit. And sometimes we say to ourselves, isn't there some other way to serve the Lord than by being a minister? Isn't there some other way in which to make a living? And we say to ourselves, who can be a good minister of Jesus Christ? Who can be a minister after Christ's own heart? But thank God when we turn to these words of this minister, Paul, he told Timothy the secret whereby it is possible for ministers to be good ministers of Jesus Christ. And this is what he told Timothy. He says, Timothy, exercise thyself unto godliness. In other words, in simple language, he said, Timothy, here's the secret of being a good minister of Jesus Christ. Here is the way in which you can be a minister after his own heart. Keep yourself spiritually fit. Keep yourself in the prime of spiritual condition Keep yourself in a top-notch position spiritually. Then Paul said, Timothy, you can be a minister after Christ's own heart. And this morning, as Paul speaks to those of us who are ministers, who are men of the cloth, pleading and calling to us to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, let's realize this, men of the cloth, that when we will see to it that we keep ourselves spiritually fit, when we are in the pink of spiritual condition, then it is possible, thank God, to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, a source of joy and delight to our Lord whom we serve. 
Because in the first place, let's know this. When a minister keeps himself spiritually fit, when he sees to it that he is in pink spiritual condition, when he is top-notch, spiritually speaking, then there is going to be thunder in that man's pulpit. There will be thunder in our pulpit, Christian ministers, when we keep ourselves spiritually fit. Oh, you remember when God spoke from the mountain at Mount Sinai? There was thundering. There was the power of God's Word. And whenever a minister keeps himself spiritually fit, then from that pulpit there will come the thunder, the power of the eternal Word of God. How does a minister keep himself spiritually fit? Paul told Timothy how Timothy was fitted and was equipped for that job. You know, Timothy was a person who was born in a mixed marriage home. His mother was a Jewess, her name was Eunice, but his father was a Greek or a Gentile or a heathen man. And there was the grandmother also, Lois. And yet Paul reminded the young Timothy that from a child he had known the Holy Scriptures. His mother and grandmother had trained him. Paul said, you have been nourished in the word of faith and you have been nourished in my teaching, in my instruction. Timothy had been nourished in the Word of God. He fed on the Word of God. And then when Paul instructed him, and Paul at this time had written most of his letters, so there were some of the writings already of the New Testament. There was a man who kept himself spiritually fit, who was in the prime of condition because he was nourished by the Word of God, and he remembered the teaching that had come to him from Paul. What did they preach about in the first century? Do we know what was this great power? What was this word of God? We talk about the Apostles' Creed, do we not? And just previously in the service, we confessed our faith according to the word. Bear in mind that the Apostles' Creed is a statement of what the Apostles taught. It was not written by the Apostles. It was something that grew. It was not in the same form in which we have it now as it was in the first century. But essentially, this is what Christian ministers preached in the first century. There was a statement, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That was the statement in the first century, essentially as to what, again, Christian ministers preached. And there went out this very thunder from their pulpits, and it went out from the pulpit of Timothy. It was the power of the eternal word of God. And therefore, when Christian ministers keep themselves spiritually fit, and there is thunder from their pulpits, the thunder of the powerful Word of God, then they are ministers after Christ's own heart because they are bringing a message of hope to a dying world. Paul reminded Timothy that our hope is in God, God's Son, who came into the world to save us from our sins. There is a message of hope for this world Men today are crying out and they say, what is there in life? We come into this world to be born, to live and to die and then stand before a just God and to be damned. But there are ministers who keep themselves in the very prime of spiritual shape and fitness. 
who declare here is the thunder of God's word Christ Jesus who died on the cross who bore the guilt and the punishment of the world's sin he has come into the world and there is a message of hope in him there is forgiveness of sins in him there is deliverance from hell and damnation in him there is life forevermore in the eternal kingdom above that is the message of hope for a dying world in hopelessness and in despair. And that's why on this occasion it is my prayer that men of the cloth, that ministers would say to themselves, we want to be good ministers of Jesus Christ. We want to be ministers after Christ's own heart. And then if we as ministers determine this is the kind of a ministry we want to be, then we're going to see that we keep ourselves spiritually fit by not falling for all the old wives' fables and all the myths that Paul warned Timothy against. Oh, in the congregation at Ephesus, there were troubles. You know, it has been said that one of the weaknesses of a minister is this, that he wants to shine, that he wants to shine out, that he wants the limelight. And you know, that's a tremendous temptation because when a minister wants to shine, then he wonders how can he shine if he's only going to preach the gospel. You know, it's hard to preach the gospel, the message of Christ crucified, and for the minister to shine, because in that gospel Christ shines. And so again, some would turn to myths and fables and other things that would allow them to shine. I know it's very important to take part in freedom marches, I know this question of integration is a very important question. I know the matter of Vietnam and the policy is a tremendous weight in your heart and mind. I know what we ought to do about Latin America is a big question, or what we should do about Cuba, or what we should do about our schools, and what we should do again about increasing sales tax stamps. But bear in mind, these are important things, friends. But there is something that outranks all of these things in importance. There is something that stands prime and first. That is a man's eternal destiny. If the church of Jesus Christ is not going to declare the good news, if the gospel is not going to come out of pulpits today, if the thunder of the powerful word of God shall not be heard, may I ask you, where is it going to be heard? When a minister of Jesus Christ keeps himself spiritually fit, then he doesn't fall for these substitutes to shine, but he lets Christ shine. And then there comes this joy that no man at the end of time will ever be able to point his finger at a minister and say, I am lost because you failed to show me the way. I've always been so grateful that in the upper room that night to know before Jesus uh, was betrayed, uh, Jesus was telling the disciples, he says, I'm going away, and he says, where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. And you remember it was Thomas, good old Thomas, Thomas the twin in Greek, that's Didymus. In Latin, it's Gemini. You hear a lot about Gemini, twins, all right, the twin spaceship. Thomas, who was a twin, he looked at Jesus and says, Lord, uh, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way. I'm glad he said that because Jesus looked at him. Thomas, you mean to tell me you've been with me all these years and you don't know the way and you don't know where I'm going? And then Jesus says, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, it's so clear, isn't it? Oh, that ministers, good ministers of Jesus Christ after his own heart are ministers who are going to let Christ shine, who are going to have as the thunder in their pulpit Jesus Christ, and then no regrets. 
For 28 years, God willing, I have stood in this pulpit. And I have stood in this pulpit with this sense. To my knowledge, I know of no Sunday but what I declared unto you, the good news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save you and me and all men from sin, that there is hope for the world. It is my hope and it is my confidence that none of you can ever stand the last day if you're lost and ever point the finger at me and say, we're lost because that man failed to preach the thunder of your words. He failed to preach Jesus Christ and the way into the kingdom. I honestly don't know how you could ever say it with the strength that God has given me, and I say this in all humility. I don't think any of you are going to miss the way and say it because you didn't hear it from this pulpit. For 28 years, every Sunday of that cross has been mentioned from that Christ who died and who arose again. And I say it in all humility. Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, said, Be a good minister. It's possible to be a minister after Christ's own heart. Yes, it is. And the secret is this, that a minister must keep himself spiritually fit. Because when we as ministers keep ourselves spiritually fit, then in the second place, not only will there be thunder in our pulpit, but there will be lightning in our lives. And by lightning, I mean the bright light of an example in our Christian conduct. How does a minister keep himself spiritually fit? Paul told Timothy, Timothy, the things that you have been taught, the things that you have found in the Word of God, you have followed, you have practiced them. In other words, Timothy was a good minister of Jesus Christ because he practiced in his life what he preached. Timothy knew what was right and what was wrong. He had been trained in the Word of God. He knew that God determines right and wrong. That is right which pleases God. That is wrong which displeases him. Timothy knew that God had expressed his will of right and wrong in the Ten Commandments. He knew that God had said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet the neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his cattle, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Timothy knew that. He knew that what is right remains right eternally, and what is wrong remains wrong eternally, that it is absolute right and wrong. It is never relative. And therefore, because he had practiced what he preached, therefore, again, he was a good minister of Jesus Christ because he made it easier for others by his life to believe in Jesus. It's possible for all of us, we who are ministers, again to be good ministers of Jesus Christ after his own heart, because when by our life and conduct we again show the lightning of that kind of an example, we make it easier for others. Oh, far be it for me to say that ministers are not sinners. Every day we sin. I'm a human being like you are. I get the same thoughts come into my mind that come into yours. There's the unguarded word. There are the sins of weakness every day, things that we don't want to do that we do. We cry out like Paul, the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things that I ought to do, I do not do. And then he cried out, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? We ministers are sinners. But in the life of the minister, as in your life, there dare not be two standards. It must be one. 
Ministers dare not persistently do those things which they know are wrong. They must, as they stand again, realize that they plead for mercy and for forgiveness, and then making it easier for someone else. I've always loved that definition of a Christian, and it applies to the minister too. A Christian is one who makes it easier for somebody else to become a Christian. And how can you and I make it easier for somebody else? Then in our conduct in life, there will be lightning, the bright light of example. My prayer today on this anniversary is this, that all ministers who would want to be good ministers of Jesus Christ, a source of constant joy and delight to their Lord, a minister after Christ's own heart, that heeding that call of Paul, that they would determine to keep themselves spiritually fit, that would mean that they would see to it that in life they would not become stumbling blocks to other people. You know, ministers not only have the weakness of wanting to shine, but they also like to whine. For the sake of my WCTU friends, that word is spelled W-H-I-N-E. They like to whine, they like to moan and to groan. Is there anything, anything more discouraging than preachers who are belly achers and who feel sorry for themselves? How about the minister's life? Again, this matter of a standard. Is there a special standard for ministers to which you are not to measure up? Or dare a minister have standards of morality that are less than yours? There was trouble in the congregation in Ephesus. There were those who came into that church and said it was wrong to marry. Now, the Word of God doesn't command that you and I get married, and it doesn't forbid us to get married. There were those in that church who said it's wrong to eat a certain kind of meat. God doesn't say that you can't eat this kind of meat, but you may eat this kind. God doesn't say. And so there are a lot of things in the Christian life that God neither commands nor forbids. The matter of smoking, the matter of alcoholic beverages, the matter of card playing, or going to the follies that's coming to Miriam. Or again, what shall I do in this situation or that situation? There are liberties that you and I may have and ministers who keep themselves in the prime of spiritual condition. They watch less in exercising things that they can do. Or they should be a stumbling block and cause somebody to lose his soul. Oh, yes, if someone would lose his soul over doing something that a minister has the right to do, I'm sure that a good minister of Jesus Christ would forego it, as Paul said. If my eating meat's going to cause someone to lose his faith in Christ and to be damned, Paul said, I'll gladly give up meat, even though he said, it's my right to eat any kind of meat that I want to eat. But this thing of trying to please everybody, you know, it becomes quite a thing. You know, again, John the Baptist came and he was very austere in his life. And he lived out in the wilderness and again he ate locusts and wild honey. And they didn't like him because he was too strict. And then Jesus came eating and drinking. And they said, he's nothing but a glutton and a wine bibber. You can't please everybody, can you? It just can't be done. You just can't like the old fable, you know, the man and his little boy and the donkey. The little boy was on the donkey, and the man was leading the donkey, and somebody came along and said, Well, you little boy, you ought to be ashamed of yourself riding that donkey, letting your father walk. Get off and let him ride. So the little boy got off, and the father got on the donkey. They went along for a little bit, and then somebody else saw the father and the donkey. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. A big man like you riding that donkey, leaving that little boy walk, you ought to let him on. So the father got off, and the boy got on. Then somebody else saw him and said, You both ought to be ashamed of yourself. That poor donkey uh, riding, first of all, the father and then you the little boy. And so they took the donkey and they tied him up on a pole and they carried the donkey. Well, then somebody said, You're cruel to the donkey. And of course, the moral is easy. When you try to please everybody, you, you don't please anybody. Isn't that so? You just don't. I can truthfully say again, 
When Paul says, when we watch that we are not stumbling blocks, he says, this kind of spiritual prime, this kind of keeping yourself in tip-top spiritual shape, it has blessings now and blessings to come, the evidence of faith. And I can truthfully say, here in this congregation, it's been a joy. I can tell you some congregation where every time the minister's wife gets a new dress, there's a lot of bitterness and there's a lot of hatred. Or every time they get a new hat, there are those who are filled with envy and jealousy. And as I would say, imagine my wife not being able to get a new hat now and then. It would really be rather rough. But it has been fine. And again, graciously, you have accepted us. Again, watching to be sure, lest we become a stumbling block even in the good things of the Christian life, and that we can enjoy some of the finer things that God has given. And that is, again, the evidence of a Christian faith, the evidence of eternal life. It has been fine in that score as your pastor. Paul, in speaking to Timothy, says, Timothy, be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Be an acceptable one. Be a minister uh, that is pleasing. Be a minister after Christ's own heart. And again, that call comes to all of us who are ministers, and it's possible. The secret is this. Keep yourself spiritually fit. When we as ministers keep ourselves spiritually fit, we can be good ministers because then there will not only be thunder from our pulpits, there will not only be lightning from our lives, but there will be sunshine in our hearts, warmth, heat in our hearts toward those who are crushed by their sins. Oh, to be a good minister, Paul reminded Timothy, he says, Timothy, for this sake, uh, we suffer, and he says, we suffer reproach. Timothy had a heart. He had a heart for sinners who were crushed by the things that they had done in life. Think of Jesus, what sunshine there was in his heart for sinners. Remember the day when they brought him the woman taken in adultery? They caught her in the act, and they brought her to Jesus, and they wanted him to tell the men to stone her and there she was the poor old soul she had been taken in adultery and jesus looked out at her accusers and he said let him that is without sin among you cast the first stone and then he waited and he wrote something in the dust and in the dirt and i've often wondered i wonder what he wrote when he waited and looked down and then he slowly looked up and those men were gone and he looked at the adulterous woman and he said, where are your accusers? And she said, they're gone, my Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn thee to go and sin no more. He had a heart for one who was crushed by her life. A minister, to be a good minister, he has to have comfort for somebody who's crushed. Somebody who, having done something, never quite forgives himself. I shall never forget the time when I was called out to see a woman in her late 90s. She said, I want no one around. I must get something off of my heart. And then she told me, she said, when I was a girl, my brother at home abused me and used me wrongfully. And she says, I have carried that load all through these years. She was a Christian, a member of a church here in Marion. And I said to her, haven't you ever forgiven yourself? She said, no, I'll never forgive myself. But it's the joy of a Christian minister to bring comfort, the forgiveness of God to a sinner who never quite forgive herself, but who knows that in the great wide mercy of Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness. 
Oh, I meet a lot of people who never forgive themselves. Paul didn't quite ever forgive himself for what he had done. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. He never forgot it. He said, I, I blasphemed God. He said, I persecuted the church. And then he said, I was insolent. He said some dirty, low-down, below-the-belt things about the person of Jesus. He never forgave himself. Still cried out, I'm the chief of sinners. But the comfort of forgiveness was his. In all my ministry, I've had only one person who confessed to the sin of covetousness and it just nearly drove her bugs. She never forgave herself. It was the sin of having been blessed in material things and she did nothing in the kingdom of God until she was ill. She never forgave herself for that. But only one, only one person in my ministry in covetousness who never could forgive herself but God had been so good and she had been so miserly. She died not forgiving herself, but having the comfort of Christ's forgiveness for those who just can't quite forgive themselves. A minister is a good minister of Jesus Christ. When there's sunshine in his heart, when there is heat, there is warmth for the crush who never quite forgive themselves. My prayer today is this, that all ministers who call themselves ministers of Jesus Christ see to it that they are good ministers, ministers after his own heart. And that means that they will see that they are spiritually fit. And then they will want to be a man among men. They want to be out where the men are. I've never cared for clerical vestments on ministers when I say that, please do not misunderstand me. I am not criticizing the minister that wears clerical vestments seven days out of the week. I've never liked it for the reason that I don't want to be unapproachable. Belonging to Kiwanis Club, it's bad enough just being a regular minister to have some guy sit down alongside of you for being afraid of you, let alone coming out in a garb where you, you look so much holier than everybody else and people are scared to death of you. I want to be a man among men. I want to be a male, not an effeminate, not a sissy. I want to be a man. And I don't want anybody afraid of me. I don't want anybody to be afraid. One of the biggest joys in my ministry was the time the little boy about four years old ran down that aisle and grabbed me around the legs and looked up at me and said, I ain't afraid of you, Redner. I ain't afraid of you. I picked him up and I said, I hope you're never afraid of Redmond. I want to be available. To be available, not an untouchable. 28 years today. Paul said to Timothy, it helps to exercise the body. It's been a wonderful ministry. In the 28 years that I have been your pastor, by the grace of God, I have never missed one Sunday for illness. In fact, in my 34 years, six years at Grace Church in Eaton, Ohio, before I came here, I have never missed a Sunday for illness in the 34 years of my ministry. And having, as a youth, had a frail body, I thank God for it, and I give God all the glory. My aim, if it's God's will, to continue to serve you, 
to serve you, and I know that Dr. Schillinger, who is here this morning, served you in that same spirit to be a good minister. It is my hope and prayer that I can still turn to Christ, that to keep myself spiritually fit, that there will be thunder from this pulpit, that there will be lightning from my life and sunshine in my heart, those are the things uh, that make a good minister of Jesus Christ. And my prayer shall always be, beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God and Son of man, truly I'd love thee, truly I'd serve thee, light of my soul, my joy, my crown. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.